Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Tuesday edition after the long weekend. We welcome you in. OutKick 360 rolls on across the OutKick network, which includes, includes a great radio partners like Sports Radio 104.7 across the Upper Cumberland, Somo Sports Radio in Joplin, Missouri, and Fox Sports Shoals, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, along with Huntsville and Florence. We say hello this afternoon. Hope everyone had a fun and safe Memorial Day weekend. Plenty of NFL news and notes to hit this hour with John McClain, who joins us each and every week at this time as we dive in head first of the biggest topics across the league. John, hope you're doing well. Hope you're uh, getting the arm warmed up for the first pitch for the Astros. I am. Uh, if you guys are familiar with Luis Garcia, he has the most unusual windup in baseball history in which he rocks the baby and then he throws. And people are always fascinated by it. And it's got a lot of attention lately because there's a little league player here that does it exactly like him, and they run them side by side. They took the kid to Minute Maid Park to meet Garcia. So I'm thinking about rocking a baby, and if I do and I bounce it, I'll be humiliated. But, man, what a moment that'll be on camera, on on video for us uh, to replay. Uh, You're absolutely rocking the baby. Uh, when, when is the first pitch? June 12th against the Florida Marlins. They got me throwing it out so they can sell out the stadium. <laughs> John, is this like a you know cramming for a final exam in college type thing where you get a lot of practice in the night before the big pitch, or are you pacing it out where you're getting a few throws in and building up until the big moment for that pitch as you get ready? I guess what we're what twelve days away now. Chad, like I got a torn rotator cuff in my right shoulder, and when I had rehab for it. I told the therapist, I just want to be able to get my bag in the overhead bin because I have to swing it. And so eventually got it where I could get my bag in the overhead bin. I said, that's good enough. Nothing else I'm ever going to have to do with the right arm. Can't play golf anymore because I had my left shoulder replaced. And then I got to shoot a free throw at the Rockets game for charity. Now I'm throwing out the first pitch. So I started off like, I Lance McCullers, who hasn't pitched all season because of the arm issues. So I watched him just go out there and toss the ball like this. So I went out there and just tossed the ball like that. And I thought my arm was going to fall off after practicing free throws for two weeks. And uh, fortunately, they don't let you on the mound anymore to do a first pitch. I can complain about it. Tell you what, if I can get it to the catcher, I'm going to complain on my talk shows here about I wanted to throw off the mound and they wouldn't let me. That's great. John but McClain. If you don't get it to the catcher. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you don't get it, then you just say it was just bad luck, poor time. Bad footing. Yeah, bad foot. You slip on the grass. Or just say all those things you just did. A, a torn rotator cuff. I mean, I'd like to see you guys get out here and do it with a piecemeal arm like this. John, um, Aaron Donald. I'll, 
Oh, I'll pull my hat down like this and walk off. I'll pull my hat down like this and walk <laughs> off like this if I bounce it. By the way, guys, yeah. my, my ears are still ringing from Top Gun Mavericks, which I saw there yesterday in one of the theaters in which the sound is jacked up like five times. And then I'm going to go see it again at an IMAX 3D to make it even better. So I'm not hearing as well as I usually do. It was loud. What, what, it was loud. I'm guessing since you're going to go see it a second time, John, that you approve of this film. What did you think? I did, Chad. Like I liked it. I loved the flying scenes. Flying scenes were the best I've ever seen in a movie. Put you right there. Kept you on the edge of your seat. I thought the, the writing and the acting were better than I thought it would be. You know, they made this four years ago. And because of the pandemic, they couldn't bring it out. So a lot of those actors have moved on. and uh, But I, I thought it was terrific. John, you're a film aficionado, so uh, I'm going to ask you this question. Do you think that because of the success of this movie, this is going to signal in a return to live-action summer blockbusters that don't feature superheroes, aliens, dinosaurs, anything supernatural, and get back to what we saw more of in the 90s, which was the summer action blockbuster? I went to the first few Avenger movies, and then I just lost track, lost track of the characters. I wanted the good old-fashioned action movie that you get summer release, as you mentioned. That was Tom Cruise's specialty. And I tell you what, for a guy that's 58 or 59 years old who still runs like crazy, I mean, he's in great shape. I liked it. The key, of course, is the writing, the acting, the action. Some of those summer blockbusters are all about blowing things up. They have no continuity, no content. I don't like those. I like the ones that have something to it, make you think a little bit. And I sure hope that's the case because we've been missing that now for several years. John, Aaron Donald said he'll be at peace uh, if he doesn't reach a new deal with the Los Angeles Rams, um, I imagine it's just posturing. But uh, he did say his intent was to play, I think, eight years and win a Super Bowl, and he's done that. What, what do you think of the status between him and the Rams right now? I believe, Paul, he's 31 years old. And is he going to, how long is he going to continue to dominate? He's with a Super Bowl team. They've got to play pay Cooper Cup, who's coming off maybe the greatest season for receiver in NFL history. You know, they got to take care of him. And usually the old guy's got to go last because the fact is, I don't think if they wait another year when he's 32 and he's not going to break the bank, not at that age. But for him to come out and admit he's going to play, that kind of takes away some of his negotiating strategy. But, you know, you win a Super Bowl, guys want to get paid. Guys like him that deserved it and have been with the organization for so many years, that's the one you would think they would take care of first, but the timing is not good because of his age. And there, you know, there are other players that this impacts on other teams. Bosa comes to mind, Jeffrey Simmons here in Nashville. They're not going to get Aaron Donald money. Aaron Donald, though, right now is the highest paid defensive player in the league as it is. And there, there are some players nearby. So if you're waiting on the Aaron Donald extension, you're, you're wanting that to get wrapped up before training camp because then you can plug your next number in somewhere beneath that, in that realm of 22, you know, 20 to $22 million per season because Donald's going to break the bank again and set a new record. But there, there are going to be 
impactful uh, repercussions of whatever happens here this offseason? Jonathan, those are great observations. And it's um, something I was thinking about, Jeffrey Simmons. You guys see him every game. I see him twice a year. And then when the Titans are on national TV, and I think he is the next dominant big-time tackle. If I'm him, I'm thinking about signing a shorter-term deal because where money's going, where gambling and the streaming rights are getting bigger and bigger and bigger, I think I would love to be unrestricted or – signing an extension in about three years when we think 230 million guaranteed is a lot of money. And right now it is, but you know, it's not too long before quarterback's going to get 300 million guaranteed. And that little paltry 22 million for defensive tackle is going to be up in the 30 something million range. And right now, if I'm looking around the league at defensive tackles, I don't see anybody in three years who's going to be as good as Jeffrey Simmons, who by that point should be making the most money if he continues to play the way he has. Would the would the Aaron Donald retirement discussion worry you at all? Um, because if you bring him back this year, he's going to be as dominant as he's been. Um, but there, a lot of people believe once a player starts thinking about retirement, they've already they're done. Like they're they've they they're already thinking about not being in it for the full reasons of playing. Um, I I don't know if I buy into that. In his case, we see quarterbacks that want to come out of retirement and play again. Uh, because their body feels good. I I don't know if that pl- goes in line with the NFL stance on things, but in many sports, a lot of people buy the fact that if you start thinking about retirement, you should go ahead and hang it up. No, not unless you've played 15 years or something. When you've played eight and you're dominant and you want to win another Defensive Player of the Year award to break the tie you have with Lawrence Taylor and J.J. Watt, I'll guarantee you him being as prideful and as competitive as he is, he knows he's on a team that has a chance to win another Super Bowl. I think he, he's just talking. After the Super Bowl, he didn't commit. And a lot of people are, oh, my God, Aaron Donald may retire. I haven't bought into that one iota. He claims the, that the coaches and teammates knew about his retirement talk well and well ahead of the Rodney Harrison report, saying that that was something that had been discussed within team facilities uh, for going on weeks that he was contemplating that. Um, I, look, again, uh, the short-term answer to this is he's, he's worth it. Um, and I wouldn't worry if you front load it and you have plenty of outs down the down the end of in regards to dead money or whatever it might be. If you need to get out of the contract, put that in there, because if he's already thinking about retirement, he's wanting short term money, too. People know me say John's always talking about losing weight. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's going on a decade there and um, he's making he's scheduled to make 14.2 this year. Without the and he has a roster bonus coming up too that'll put him over twenty. So he's not going to forego that. But I do think the Rams will extend him and, and get something done. And then we see the ripple effect of how many contracts can happen, how many extensions can happen before Week One. When generally speaking, teams shut it down on the contract talks. Um, Mary Kay Cabot with the report, John, over the weekend that the Browns have no plans to cut Baker Mayfield. Uh, does that mean they have plans to trade him or just sit on the contract that they have and hope that he doesn't get hurt whenever he actually does report? Yeah, they got no, they've got nothing they can do about this. Everybody 
is on the edge of their seat waiting to see what the uh, investigator for the NFL turns over to the person that makes the decision on the suspension. And then the next person decides well, somebody Goodell will appoint so he can wash his hands of it, whether to stick to that or reduce it. And the fact is, it's got to come pretty soon. And Watson will work his tail off. People kind of forget. They don't forget. But sometimes they don't realize he hadn't played in two years. He wants to play. He wants to practice. He wants to go through every single drill because Watson's a very competitive player. And he knows the Browns put him in the closest position he's ever been in to go to the Super Bowl. Resigning Jadavion Clowney was a really good move for them. Takes pressure off Miles Garrett. He had nine sacks last year, one half off his career high with the Texans. So I think the Browns are in really good shape. And whenever Watson is able to play, he will be ready to go. He will hit the ground running. And I think this time next year, maybe they will have gone to court. Maybe they'll have it settled. Who knows? I think there won't be 22 civil suits heard during the next offseason, but at least he knows that's just about his reputation, not about his on-field productivity, because people know he'll be there for 17 games. Is there any scenario, John, where the league comes down and says Deshaun Watson's got a one-year suspension, let's say, and Baker Mayfield is the quarterback for the Browns for one year while Deshaun Watson is suspended? Is that even (laughs) – a remote possibility. I feel odd even asking the question if that could be the case, but if some decision comes down and they have not traded him yet, they're saying they're not going to cut him. Do they say, all right, well, show up. You're going to be our quarterback this year while Deshaun Watson is suspended. That's not going to happen. That's why they traded for Jacoby Brissett. They know there's a lot of bad blood in that organization, not just with Mayville, but, This is something people have pointed out multiple times. Nobody that we know of in the organization, no players, no coaches have defended Mayfield and said, hey, the guy did a great job. We love him. We hope don't want to lose him or wish him the best. They just haven't reacted to any of the controversy that he's created. So I don't think for a minute he's going to be playing for the Browns now. If he were, and they're on national TV, that would be must-see TV after everything that's gone on. Now, if Watson suspended for a year, whoo, boy, Chadillac, that would be more than anybody's anticipating. But if baseball wants to get tough like – I mean, football wants to get tough like baseball did with Trevor Bauer, who's been out for two seasons. That's the kind of thing they could do. And if Goodell wanted to be a – hero they could do it for a year and him knock it down to say 10 games but everybody's on the edge of their seat we want to know how many is it going to be and will the appeal work there's one thing we hadn't talked about uh necessarily their schedule is soft early panthers jets steelers falcons chargers not soft patriots ravens bengals dolphins do do uh we think that they shape their schedule a little bit so that uh, if Deshaun Watson's not there, when Deshaun's, Deshaun Watson is not there, they don't suffer as badly? 
Paul, the guys that put out the schedule said it was a mere coincidence <laughs> that they scheduled Watson in Houston on December 4th had nothing to do with the possibility of an extension. Well, we know that's preposterous. Of course, it had something to do with it. And you're right. The teams that you just mentioned early in the season, that's a cream puff schedule. And then it gets tough a little later. Uh, Jacoby Brissett's bounced around. He's been a starter. They're not going to be awful with him. They do play in a tough division. The Texans hope they lose every game that Watson's out because they have their number one pick again next season. But I think that, yes, that had something to do with it. And if they say it didn't, they're lying. John, I want you to defend your market here a little bit, Houston. Every time we bring this up with you, I am amazed by the amount of people who respond and say, do you guys really think anyone cares about Deshaun Watson's return to Houston or playing the Texans outside of Houston? That's one of the worst games of the year. People will say it's not a national game and no one cares. I disagree with these people. I think that it is a big story. What do you think, John, when you hear that? I think it's a big story. I think anything Watson does this season is going to be a big story because he's a great quarterback. What he's done is unprecedented in NFL history, getting 22 different women accuse him of sexual assault and misconduct. And uh, he's been in the limelight nationally now for almost two years. And people seem to forget he had a great last season here. They traded DeAndre Hopkins. They were coming off the division title, a playoff victory over Buffalo. They trade him. And then all of a sudden, Watson is even better without Hopkins. So I think it's big news, whoever he plays. But I think people are going to be curious when he plays the Texans because it's kind of like driving past a wreck. And you look over there because you're curious off to the side, see if anybody's been hurt. And I think it will attract a lot of attention. I was surprised, John, that Thursday night football didn't choose that game, uh, Texans-Browns, because the billion-dollar contract that they have and the hype that will go into that week. Um, I mean, whoever said is criticizing us for discussing it. I mean, they're right in thinking that it's not a nationally televised game. It's a afternoon on a Sunday. Uh, but it will be – It'll be covered more than any national game that week, and that includes Bill's Patriots. That is the Thursday night game. That's a great game. But as far as the magnitude and the environment around Watson returning, uh, that's the pregame show I would be wanting to tune into and watch the warm-ups for and watch Al Michaels and, and Kirk Herbstreet uh, discuss. I mean, that, that was the one national broadcast I, I assumed would want to pick up this matchup, and they chose not to. I guess they thought we're limited on the number of games we can put the Browns on nationally and Watson could be suspended. So if Watson's there all season, the Browns will get the maximum number of games because they're already a popular franchise, not just all over the country, but they got a lot of fans at different parts of the world and they're thinking, okay, Texans aren't going to draw anybody. So if we're going to put the Browns on, let's do it with somebody that has more appeal uh, nationally, but I do think people are going to pay attention in the buildup, and it's going to be boring because Watson's not going to say squat. And I think the Texans will be very, very careful of what they say. But the game itself, I can't wait. John McClain with us. Uh, the Deshaun Watson investigation from the NFL, not the only one that's ongoing. We just haven't heard the name Stephen Ross in a while. We'll ask John about that, where Goodell says there is no update, but we'll find out exactly what that means uh, because 
the devil's already uh, always be, between the details, uh, between the lines there of, you know, it, to me there's a trump card that could be played here by one side of this that we haven't seen yet. Also, Jerry Jones says they've upgraded at receiver despite losing Amari Cooper. We will discuss Jerry's thoughts on his roster as general manager of the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, that's next with John McClain on OutKick 360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. I'm about to wind up Paul Koharski here. John McClain can weigh in after. Outkick 360. That sounds hazardous to his health. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Uh, very safe. Jadavian Clowney on chasing the Super Bowl in the return to the Browns. Oh, yeah, that's Quote, a good wind-up. I feel like we've got a shot. That from Jadavian Clowney, Paul, your thoughts? Well, I mean, I think they do have a shot. When he first came back, I think I addressed this. He said, let's run it back. Oh, yeah. Say, yeah, let's run it back to 7-9. and nine. <laughs> Woo, let's run it back. You're a real motivated guy. Look, John, I mean, he's a better player, I suppose, than he was in his year here. But in his year here, he really didn't do anything to endure himself, endear himself to Titans fans. He was a complete wash and largely invisible for the eight games that he managed to be he, on the field before he went. He to was IR. better. He was better. He just you know everyone's better if Miles Garrett's playing on the opposite yeah. side, right? Yeah. I mean, he's not a lead guy. He's a good, uh, maybe a good secondary guy. Titans needed a lead guy. He wasn't it. They've got a shot, John. Oh, we may have be. I don't know if he can hear us or not. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, okay. It's a, it's his ninth season in the NFL. He came in with a reputation as being better against the run than rushing the passer. He's never had 10 sacks. His high was nine half here. He had nine, then he had nine last season. He, he knows that he's better off with a team like Cleveland where Miles Garrett will take a lot of heat off of him. He won't get double teamed. And if he stays healthy, he should play as well as he's ever played. He also knows, yes, they do have a shot. They have a shot to win the division. They have a shot to be in the playoffs. And that's the way you should feel about it. But Clowney has always been a big kid, very playful. You know, Mike Vrabel knew him very well when Mike, Mike's first year here was the same year. Clowney had his first year here, and he knows the kid walks around 
like he's still a teenager. He doesn't take a lot very seriously, but man, he marches to his own drummer and you've got to be ready to follow him and play in that band or you're going to be really upset because on Sundays, he always plays hard. The key is just make sure he gets to Sundays. So I don't want to pile on Jadavion Clowney too much here with the run it back thing because I found this to be an epidemic amongst athletes that say run it back when they didn't win a title mm. the year before. We have somehow confused the run it back. That's always a, if you win it all and you're coming back, then you can say run it back. If not, it's one more year to go for the big one. Or I'm coming back for another. You could post on social media any number of ways other than run it back. Let's Great example it of this was some kid at Gonzaga today had a hashtag run it back. You want to run it back to lose in the Sweet 16 to Arkansas again? Is that what you're running it back for? Disappointing as a number one seed to lose in the Sweet 16? We have to teach young Americans, and I'm putting Clowney as a young man still, young Americans that if you are going to, quote, run it back, you or your team won the championship yeah. the year before. That means There's do it no again. There's <laughs> no other meaning to run it back. That means do it again. If you're coming back for a year, you can celebrate that and say it any number of different ways. Do not say run it back unless you won the yeah. title before. That means let's try it again. So John, he's not the only one, is my point, that, that misuses that, that phrase. I mean, we know how much the league changes year to year, but I'm feeling a little bit um, loyal, if you will, to, to Cincinnati. I, I feel like Cincinnati did a good job of addressing its problems. It rebuilt the right side of its offensive line. Uh, made some moves in the secondary, particularly in the draft, which was its second weakest area. Cleveland's got uncertainty here that we, we've discussed thoroughly. Pittsburgh is hardly going to be back to itself with the uncertainty at quarterback. And, uh, you know, Baltimore could bounce right back, but there's, there's uncertainty there with Lamar Jackson coming off a really down year with injuries and illness. Am I crazy to think that Cincinnati could be right back at the top of that division? I don't have them necessarily going to the Super Bowl, but I like what they did, and I think that they can sustain success. They were very lucky to get to the Super Bowl based on a couple of calls they got that you guys know very well. And I'll say I wanted to point out, based on what Chad like just said, uh, Aaron Donald can say, run it back. Jadavion Clowney cannot. Yes, And I think the, the Bengals have a lot of talent. We know that the great young quarterback, I, I used to cover Zach Taylor. I'm sorry. I used to see Zach Taylor when he would come into the Texans and come over and visit his future father-in-law, offensive line coach and assistant head coach, Mike Sherman. And I, and then he went, as a GA to AM when Mike went as the head coach. And I never thought the guy would be in a Super Bowl. Nobody else did in Cincinnati either. But that franchise got to have a lot of confidence right now. But the Super Bowl losers generally don't, don't make the Super Bowl again. And something I've been thinking about quite a bit, when is the last time everybody picked the Steelers to finish in last place? I cannot remember in all the times I've been covering the NFL that the Steelers were ever projected for last place, but I don't know how anybody can project any other team in the AFC North but the Steelers for the basement. Hutton raised a very good point. It's very much uh, Harris's team now. 
uh, offensively. Najee Harris is a good guy to, to uh, pick for your fantasy team. Yeah, and he's put on 12 pounds from last year. Like he, I think he played at 220, or three, no, 222 last year, and he's now up to like 234, and that's, he says that's where he wants to play. I guess that, that's more durability than anything. Uh, but it also tells me that they're going to hand off to him more than what they did, and I think they're going to throw to him just as much. John. Still begs the question about their offensive line, though. Yes. Throwback football. That's what we're going to see. If you got questions at quarterback, you got to run the ball. Today, you better have a backup running back who can sub for the starter because the starter's going to take a beating. And I don't care how many pounds he's gained of muscle, those guys can't take the pounding. No running back's good. John, um, the investigation we haven't seen an update on, Goodell admitted there is no update, is the one with Stephen Ross, the owner for the Dolphins, on pay for uh, tanking, uh, tanking games, losing on purpose and paying an allegation was offering $100,000 per loss uh, down the backstretch of a season. Mary Jo White is, is leading the investigations of all of the offseason issues from Deshaun, Deshaun Watson to Stephen Ross to John Gruden and the emails. All of that um, has been at her doorstep and on her desk. And to me, uh, among all the issues – this is the one that's most damning for the NFL if they have an owner that's losing on purpose and offering $100,000 per loss. But yet, if we're prioritizing things, it doesn't appear that we're going to have any resolution to this anytime soon. Meanwhile, it does sound like we're going to know something on Watson. And also think about this. You got Washington with accusations that they took money out of the owner's pockets. Mm -hmm. Now, that's something that gets these guys angrier than anything. And then you got Mark Davis, the fired president, says that Mark Davis was sexually harassing people. And they came to the president. The president told the league, boom, he's fired. We haven't heard anything about that since those accusations were made public. It is amazing how many investigations the NFL has going on. And I would think that the Stephen Ross one is the one they would like to address last because it hits home so directly. And Watson's been going on for about 16 months now. So it's about time they made the decision. Yeah, I'm, I guess what I'm surprised most about this is the allegation itself to me is pretty straightforward. Flores is alleging that he was offered this. Show the proof of this. And if, if you prove it, then we're going to act as a, as a collective group on Stephen Ross. If you can't prove it, then we're done here. Uh, and we're, we're going to announce a statement on it. His legal team has said we have receipts. Well, That's on the record. They've stated that. They've yet to show it. Well, the, that investigation to me is fairly cut and dry from the league standpoint. Yeah. Well, now, surely they've what shown happens that to, to Ross? League. What happens to Ross is a different story as far as magnitude of, of how the hammer would drop on that. But as far as whether or not it occurred... That should not be this difficult to figure out. If he's innocent and there's no proof, they would already have concluded the investigation and pointed out it's a he said, he said. But the attorney said they do have proof, which means it's got to be recordings, emails, text messages, direct messages, something. And if they don't and they were lying about it, then Ross is going to skate. But the fact is, they got so many investigations that are going on, and we don't even know if they're investigating Mark Davis yet. Right. We just know they're investigating John Gruden. 
And there's stuff going on down in Dallas too. They got to look into because Jerry Jones's illegitimate daughter wants is going to. You know she's going to want a piece of that franchise. And uh, Jerry said two weeks ago it's worth ten billion plus. And so you know she wants a piece of that pie. So I've never seen the NFL when they had so many things going on outside of football as they do today. The the, the Cowboys were always deep at receiver. Uh, but Jerry Jones coming out and saying that they're better off, they're, they've upgraded this this year at wide receiver, clearly pointing to losing uh, what they what they have in this offseason. But C.D. Lamb is, is still there. Um, they still have Michael Gallup, who's um, now an extended contract wide receiver there. Uh, James Washington comes over from Pittsburgh. But... John, to me, it's difficult if I'm a general manager to say, "Oh, we lost Amari Cooper. Eh, we're better." Yeah, that's that's just that's just not true. They also lost Cedric Wilson, who played a big role for them down the stretch. I don't know. Uh, I don't know anybody that thinks the Cowboys are better off at receiver. Nobody thinks that. Because you lose a proven veteran who had played well for two franchises. He's not a great receiver, but he's better than what they got other than uh, the third-year receiver, C.D. Lamb. Yeah, yeah they've th- got a nice core, but they're not as good as they were before. Well, at least – can win with what they've yeah, they got. Oh, they can absolutely win with what they have. Um, I, I feel different about the answer that, uh, that Justin Fields gave on his wide receiving core that where he said there's plenty of confidence in the wide receiving core in Chicago to quote, get the job done. Uh, their wide receiving core is Equinemius St. Brown, Byron Pringle and Darnell Mooney, all good players, but I don't look at this receiving core and say, you know what? They're going to get the job done no, in their division. You can't win with that. You know, I can't even tell you they're good players, even though Mooney had a really good game against the Texans two years ago when the Bears beat them at Soldier Field. But you look at that, that's got to be the biggest group of no-name wide receivers in the NFL, plus with a second-year quarterback who's got a whole lot of proving to do. I think the average football fan would have difficult uh, have a difficult time naming two wide receivers on the Chicago Bears roster. I, I, agree I think Mooney, based on, based on fantasy football, I think – I think the majority, uh, over 50%, would get Mooney as a, a Bears wide receiver. I don't After think that, most people could tell you where St. Brown went. No. Oh, Tajay Sharp is their fourth receiver in Chicago. I mean, they, they, they are thin. I know Cole Komet at tight end. That's go. about it. Because they have I like, had him on my fantasy team. They still have about seven tight ends on their roster. And they all look like Cole Komet, yeah. I feel like. They're all the same type of tight end. They yes. love tight ends. John, how much will the, the – speaking of tight end, the, the Njoku contract in Cleveland – how much is that going to affect uh, like uh, a, a Schultz in Dallas or uh, Darren Waller, who is going to get paid in Vegas? Think about this. Are either one of those guys anywhere close to Waller as a, as no. a receiver? No, absolutely not. I was stunned. Najoku hadn't done anything big for them. Waller's the one that deserves to be paid, and the Raiders are going to pay for that because that's going to be a starting point for him because that guy who's overcome so many problems off the field and turned his life and his career around, that's the guy that deserves to be the highest paid. Seems to me they didn't know how to use Njoku or Hooper, and so they said goodbye to Hooper, and then they were like, well, we better pay Njoku. 
and, and figure tagged, out how to use they him. They tagged him and then they've extended him. Yeah. Um, and it's a it's a lucrative contract for him. Uh, based Good for on him. What we've seen. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, he's worth the money if somebody knows how to use him. No doubt. But they haven't showed that they know how to use him. No quarterback, maybe they'll know how to use him. How did Watson use his tight ends in Houston, John? He didn't have any good tight ends. He threw everything to the wide receivers. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about what offense they're going to be running, and uh, it's not it's not going to be too tight as much as it's going to be more 11 personnel for Watson. At least that's how I would do it and to. use they're him. They're going to have to use him. Uh, John, uh, finally, Colin Kaepernick with the workout last week. Do you think we see other teams – uh, announced that they're about to try him out or give him a look before camps really start getting going or the mandatory mini camps start later next month? No, I don't think anybody's going to go, oh, the Raiders had him, let's bring him in here and look at him. Number one, think of all the attention it got, not only just with the Raiders, but around the country. Josh McDaniels refused to comment on his workout. Uh, it was leaked that it was good. Well, of course it's good. He's out there working out. He works out almost every day, and he's had plenty of years to do it. So, no, I don't think there's going to be more. I don't think the Raiders would have brought him in unless they're trying to do something to turn the attention away from Gruden and Mark Davis. It's that, and it's just the the good graces of people that want to see Kaepernick get the shot. He had the tryout. Um, and now, now the you know they're, they're ripping on the Raiders just looking at him for an emergency list. I'm thinking that this happens all the time. And it was just Ka- it was just Kaepernick's name that was plugged in with the report, not the tryout itself. Um, because isn't there a list of tryout players released through the league every business day or weekly about which team tried out certain players that are available every day? Yeah. And that every day, this is nothing new. It just happens to be Kaepernick on this list. And you know, that it would be if it would be the same response if Tebow got a tryout, right? You see the name and it's immediately a headline. Meanwhile, I can name a Bears wide receiver that got a Tebow tryout. No might one would be look even twice. Big. Yeah. John, thank you as always. And Maybe we, the Raiders should bring in Tebow next. Oh. <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank you, Thanks, John. John. Uh, love the hat. John wearing the Pro Football Hall of Fame hat. Uh, he's in the hall. He's a Hall of Fame selector along with Paul, and uh, he'll be throwing out the first pitch. Just uh, go go John, down the list, by days. the way. Uh, T.O. after that, after Tebow. Who else can the Raiders bring in for uh, Chad Johnson? Oh, Joe Cinco would be great. Manziel's another good one. So many names to Brett go down Favre. that could get a headline if you brought him in for a trial. Yeah, bring in Brett Favre, Vince Young. Off of, uh, keep the attention off Mark Davis. Coming up. Uh, the most peculiar fight I maybe I've ever read about so weird over fantasy football in Major League Baseball. A slap that was a receipt from last year's fantasy football league amongst two players and a player suspended over the weekend over said slap. We, we must discuss <laughs> the Tommy Pham and, and everything that went down with Jock Peterson. Uh, we'll do that next on Outkick 360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tommy Pham with a Will Smith moment over the weekend. Outkick 360 rolls on. 
uh, slapping Jock Peterson. Um, what did the five fingers say to the yeah, face? Over, over a fantasy football league and uh, a, a gif that Peterson has sent to a group, members of this league, that fam was included with. Uh, it, it's just bizarre scene where the cameras are from the opposite end of the dugout where you can see fam come up and slap Jock Peterson. And Peterson has been very open and honest uh, with reporters since this incident. Um, and the big jab, 96-3, uh, out west, released the video of this. Just bizarre. The big slap, just, just considering. Bizarre. And fam's been suspended three games. Um, when I first saw this, I'm thinking, there's no way. Like, there's no way this is over a fantasy football league from last fall. It was. I thought maybe he was joking with reporters. Peterson was as to why this took place. Because he is a jokester. And it's complete it's completely accurate. And then you have Peterson Well who, it's it's part of the it's part of the problem. Right? I mean Tommy Pham went on to say he also disrespected a former team of mine. He said some really disrespectful bleep about a former team. Well, so, so this was building he hated him to begin with and somehow the nexus of this hate that led to a slap is something that everyone who's serious about fantasy football does that's within the rules that jock peterson did that made him mad and he said there's a lot of money on the line in our fantasy league and he's messing with my money yeah when he did this three game suspension is going to mess with his money a lot more than that here's what this quote-unquote softest disrespect in sports history was uh it was a gif where you have some weightlifters throwing these sandbags and one comes down and hits the, the Padres guy that's standing underneath the Padres logo. Uh, and, and this is apparently what uh, was so disrespectful in a group chat uh, that Peterson was a part of with Tommy Pham. I, I mean, this, this guy Minor is ridiculous. Stuff. Tommy Pham needs to chill out. Meanwhile, Chuck take Peterson. himself a little less seriously. How awesome has he been through this? He's gathering reporters around the locker room. He's like, oh, this Spilling is the beans. holding the phone up and saying, here's what was so disrespectful and then playing the gif for everyone at the locker. Um, he's been awesome, but at the same time he's out in the warning track getting slapped over whether or not he uh, should have uh, hid, was able to hide one of the players he had on IR. Uh, and <laughs> It's a move that he said uh, everybody seemed to concur that Fam had I done mean, earlier in the same season. ESPN is reporting on this and having Matthew Barry comment on whether or not it's the appropriate. The legit. Think about that. Yeah, so if a guy's inactive for the week, like if he's, <laughs> if he's not on the active ro- uh, his team's active roster for the week, you can put him in an IR slot. I believe this is yes, what this yes, is over. Yes, And everybody does that. And we have an IR slot in the Outkick 360 Fantasy League. Yeah. And so that's what he did. But, uh, and he's on Peterson for doing that, but apparently Peterson and other people said he had, Fam had done it himself earlier in the same season. It's a ridiculous fight. Well, Fam looks <laughs> foolish in this whole thing. And, and I, I think that, you know, Peterson looks better at the end of all this. Well, how he handles it. It's yeah. also it just to me clear, Peterson is a guy who's going to rub a lot of people the wrong oh, way. Yeah. In a sport that gets mad over every little perceived slight, Jock Peterson is a guy who's going to celebrate. He's going to be goofy. He's going to talk a little trash. And that's going to rub people the wrong way. And this is a clear indication that Tommy Pham just simply hates Jock Peterson. <laughs> he hated him before the Fantasy League. He hated him before he posted that gif. He's, he hates him. And this is just boiled over to, I'm going to slap the you-know-what out of this guy 
the next time I see him, I just think the whole press conference about the fantasy football thing with Jock Peterson, I mean, that's an SNL skit. That was the funniest thing that I've seen is him explaining everything that happened in the fantasy football. League. I mean, isn't it we- it's somewhat weird that there's a camera that even catches this? These guys are during warm-ups. Who knows how far before the game? And there's a camera that's a cell phone, yeah. you know, trained on this that far away that there's actual video of it. It just goes to show you how, like, nothing happens without something running. It's almost like someone knew it was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Right? When they, did... Uh, they knew hey, that... Maybe they heard some commotion. Peterson. Maybe they heard a commotion or something. Guys, yeah. when, when did we go from punching to slapping in sports? I think that it's... An an you can get away with more with the, the slap. The open yeah, hand slap. I, I think that th- that is it's where people congeal, are probably congeal. thinking a little bit more. More and thinking, you know, if I connect on a punch and I actually injure this guy, you're not going to really injure someone with a slap. It's going to sting. It's more a statement. But if you actually injure them, then I could be facing criminal charges. But a so slap. I think that's the only time. When the person walks up to slap, the only time you actually think about consequences is when you open up your hand and slap them instead of punching them. That's how I know you're not so irate that you're not seeing straight and you're not thinking about consequences. Because if you walk up and sucker punch someone in the temple... It knocked them unconscious. You're probably going to go. You're going to get arrested. So you're saying the slap is more meditated because you've thought I don't want consequences Absolutely here. It so is. I'm just going it is to a slap. premeditated. I want to show this guy that I can get physical with him without going to jail. So I'm going to slap him. I mean, you can go to jail for slapping somebody too, but I don't think Jock Peterson's going to file charges. Much like Chris Rock didn't file charges over a slap. Did he play in this? Did they both but play now, in this if, game? If, if Will Smith walks up and punches him and knocks him out. Uh, is he pressing charges? Maybe. In is that he, moment? Is he escorted out of the Oscars? Probably. Did they both play in this game that day? Uh, Peterson did. I'm not sure. Fam did not. He started a suspension that game. It was that he said that it was a major. He said it was a Major League Baseball decision, and I decided to go ahead and sit out today and start my three-game suspension. Well, I applaud well, he also, Major League Baseball he says for such the interview, swift justice. It wasn't swift justice. They just said, hey, you probably don't need to play today. It's up to you. But he said, I'll start now. And he said, I was told if I appeal, it's going to be worse by the league. So he's not appealing. The wow. quote from Fam in the group text was, Jock, I don't know you well enough to make any jokes like this. It was a sandbag falling on the Padres logo. <laughs> That's all it was. What have we fallen Wah. into? Yeah, he's, he's takes himself way too seriously. Headlines next on Outkick 360.